Hey everybody, welcome back to We Are Movies. As always, I'm Johnny Mockney, and my guest today is an old friend of mine dating way back to my school days in Thailand, and uh, his name is Pierre Walker. If you watch any short film I made between the ages of 12 and 15, odds are Pierre had something to do with it, usually my cameraman. Um... Uh, because back in the day I had a huge ego and oftentimes I was the one on screen uh, as opposed to now where my ego is very normally sized and I definitely don't like to hear myself talk a little bit too much. Um, we decided to uh, usher in the holiday season with uh, a film that's very near and dear to our hearts uh, which we'll explain uh, and that film is Love Actually. Um, and without any further ado, please enjoy this very jolly episode of We Are Movies. We've been talking about doing this for a long time. I remember I was in, um, I was in London just after I started this podcast in 2019, um, I recorded the third or fourth, the fourth episode of this podcast with Ryan Hoppenworth back then to the you listeners at home. And we were talking about doing this. We were about to do this in your bedroom. I remember. Yeah. And it was like past midnight. We were drinking and we were just kind of like, ah, why don't we do it? And then like, I think my, like I couldn't get my mics to work and we didn't. Yeah. Anything. I remember this now. Count two was there too. Oh yes, he was. Yeah. It was yeah. in my old apartment. Yeah, yeah, your old apartment. Um, Cow 2 has since been on, you mm-hmm. know, by popular demand. But uh, the fans won't stop clamoring, and it's very important that you were on too. So, Well, happy to be here. Good. Thank you. I'm happy you're here too. I think, um, you know, a lot of people who are listening don't understand the, our history. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we, I think the majority of the time when I show people short films that I made, um, they're... Mostly ones that we made in Thailand. Yeah. Uh, when we were kids. These are not what I'm trying to show people ones that I'm proud of or ones that mm-hmm. I'm trying to use to prove my filmmaking prowess. But the ones where it's like if I'm getting closer enough to somebody and uh, I want them to back off a little bit. <laughs> right? I, I, I don't oh, know the, fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'll show them the ones that we made. In I Thailand. mean, I've made my objective to make sure no one I meet in any new friend group finds those videos. Oh, is that true? I mean, thankfully, we're all, on, on, all under your account. Yeah, 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 no. I, and don't worry, buddy. Those are going to stay safe and sound with me. No one's going to see those. Unfortunately, some of them are under mine, so I'm just hoping no one finds them. Yeah, I think there's a couple under yours. There's like Fat Boy Swim, yep. I think. And oh, Fat Boy Swim, fantastic. Yeah. We made a couple of classics. We made a lot of travel videos to the yep. listeners at home, the With Johnny films, um, to a point that we really, I think, got up our own ass with our... <laughs> With our fictional yeah, we, counterparts. We got very meta very quickly. Right, right. Because we, by the end of it, like, the fictional versions of ourselves have, have character arcs. Yep. Which is kind of sweet. Um, you realizing that murdering me was not a good idea? Yep, yep. There's a lot of that. So, um, you know, I, I, I would recommend all of those to people. I yeah. think it's very sweet. And I think it's, I think it's a good document, uh, a, a good document of, like, our friendship and the lives that we used to lead. At one time, you know. If anyone from my uh, friend group in Pasadena finds this, please don't look them up. Um, they're definitely going to look them up if they <laughs> care. Uh, if they're cool, they're definitely going to look them up. I think, I don't know about you, but like, I think about, 
I watch those videos more often now than ever before yeah. because it's more now than ever before that our time in Thailand feels like a, a dream. I agree. You know? Yeah, I do the same thing maybe once a month. I watch either of a graduation video we have or Thailand with Johnny is the one I always go back to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you ever watch uh, the B team? Oh, that one! Oh, that one! That takes some time to watch. It's a thirty-minute yeah, video. If I'm gonna watch epic it, epic film. Yeah, I'm really. That's probably my <laughs> favorite of our movies because it. We planned that out. We staged it. We did. That was the first time for all the videos we did that had gunshots. That was the only one that had muzzle flashes. Was yeah. it? I think I put muzzle flashes in. Oh no, I put smoke flashes, but not muzzle flashes. You did smoke flashes, I think, in uh, France with Johnny yeah. when we have a gunfight at the end. A totally like like out of nowhere. Uh, yeah, yeah, a completely unprovoked gunfight that appears uh, in that movie. That was because one thing was I was really into, I was really into action movies at yeah. the time, and I think by osmosis you somewhat became into them too. Well, yeah, because it was fun. We right. like we even bought guns at like a toy store, which looked relatively real. And yeah, we bought a bunch of toy guns while we were in France. <laughs> we were like, this will this will go in the movie. Yeah. Our, move, our movie needs to end with a shootout now. That's what was missing from the last one. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but no, actually, I didn't know that the, the B team is your favorite. Of I the think film. it might because I, I just that's that's the one I'm proud of, and I think if I were to show it to someone, even like with my new friends, I'd be like, "Yep, I'm. I'll stand by this. I'm happy with this." <laughs> now, um, we worked obviously with like a company of supporting players. A lot of people yeah. that were regularly with us in our videos. Kautu, one of them. Kautu, uh, Connor. Uh, Harry, Harry Declan. Declan, Dominic at the time, who's now, sorry, uh, we knew as Dominic at the time, mm-hmm. who uh, now goes by... I think Delta Mina, although, sorry if we got that one wrong. Yes. Um, I Then there was also... Nolan. Uh, Nolan, yeah, my sister Julia, sometimes. Patrick Walsh was in yeah. a couple of them. Um, so out of that company of actors, and we have the, we can say this because you don't live near any of them anymore. And uh, <laughs> where is this going? I think we're pretty safe. Just who do you think was the best? Who was the MVP? The people. What do you mean before? by MVP? Oh, Addis also. Addis yes, was one. Uh, Addis. 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 Wherever you are, reach out to us. We yeah, like to please. know where you are. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What do you mean by MVP? Like who? Who do you think is just like the person that like sh- was the biggest star out of those? Out of those films. I mean, Kautu is the those. only one who tried to branch out on his own, making Kautu Goes to Japan. Yeah, he did make a spinoff. An, un- an unauthorized <laughs> spinoff, for the record. But, yeah, I mean, Sue is your choice, Kautu? I think he might be, yeah. Yeah, no, Kautu really had a presence to him. I mean, he's the only guy who just, like, straight up made a so- two songs about himself. Yeah. <laughs> that um, I think let best, him perform. <laughs> I believe our best performance was Bobby Harris in The Hunter. Bobby Harris and the Hunter. Yeah, that was the first video we ever made yep. together. The first time I ever killed you on screen. Yep. <laughs> I feel like someday, you know, in a lot of ways I feel like we're done making those videos, but part of me feels like, in all fairness, we should make one more where you get to kill me. Yeah, that's fair. You know? I mean, what I'm sure your mom would appreciate it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> I mean, what's le- Oh, if we ever go visit Declan in Australia, that could be an option. Yeah, yeah. Declan, watch out. We're going to come to Australia. And we're gonna ruin your your gunless Australia with a <laughs> with a violent bloody shootout in our movie. 
Um, oh, just a couple of 20-something-year-olds just shooting each other with toy guns mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in the middle of the outback. Yep, and I'm sure the noble peace activist Declan will be super pumped <laughs> about us ruining the serenity with our with our antics. Um, anyway, to, to a lot of people that might have just sounded like gibberish, but trust us, we... Uh, we had fun. This is all real stuff. We we had fun before we became the cold, bitter shells of our former selves that we are now. Uh, <sighs> <laughs> uh, so, um, we talked a little bit about what you wanted to do for this. We threw mm-hmm. out some a couple of ideas. For a long time, we were talking about um, uh, the Lord of the Rings, yeah. which would have been a daunting task. Yeah, that would have taken some time and yeah. planning. Yeah, and maybe one day, but... Um, uh, you, I think it was predetermined that you wanted to go with something British. Is that right? Yeah, I think given, well, I'm somehow British. Yeah. It was a, felt appropriate. Yeah, people at home, try to figure out what the hell Pierre's accent is. That's <laughs> that If a, you figure it out, please tell me. It was a fun game. Yeah, to let him know, too. Because none of us know. <laughs> um, so, uh, uh, we settled on something kind of festive, uh, mm-hmm. which was Love Actually. Yep. Uh, a film that is kind of close to both of our hearts yep. because I remember spending Christmas Christmas Eve or... it was the year you decided you were leaving Thailand I think yeah. you, you had just told me you were leaving to the US and then we watched Love Actually so this would have been because we left Thailand in 2014 so oh, this wow. would have been 2013 because it was Christmas time 2013 yeah. um, and we were at your parents place mm-hmm. uh, which legendary dinners at your family's house. My family would come over. We'd probably come over 8 p.m., 9 p.m., something like that. Uh, your mom would serve five courses, uh, pr- which would be usually preceded by like an hour of drinks. Correct. And then there would be like another hour of drinks at the end or so, maybe even more. Uh, long story short, we'd get home 3, 4 a.m., maybe, maybe yeah. later. Uh, that evening, you went home at 1 a.m. Because we didn't manage to finish Love Actually. We didn't manage to finish Love Actually. I think I had gotten wine drunk and I was starting to pass out. But yeah, you put it on and I watched the most of it. And then I went home and I torrented it and I watched the rest on its Are own. you sure you want to say that out loud? But yeah, yeah. Come at me, FBI. I don't care. What's the statute of limitation on that one? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, they can prove it. Um, <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, so I, I really enjoyed this movie, and it's a movie I've come back to mm-hmm. many times, many Christmases, I think, uh, yeah. and I feel this, like, I had this nostalgic attachment to it that I attach with, like, with our time. No, oh, that's fantastic. Together in Thailand, and, and uh, our, the Christmas parties that we'd have at your house. Um, that's good to know. Uh, I do want to say, before we get into that, well, how would you describe your relationship with film? Where, where did it start? And with how, the film? Or with film, film in general, with movies. Where, how, where did it start and how has it evolved I mean, over time? There was the pre-Johnny era and there was the post-Johnny era. Oh, I'm honored. <laughs> <laughs> uh, before meeting you, I, my favorite, for ex- well, the favorite example I have is my favorite Star Wars movie before meeting you was Attack of the Clones. Because mm. I was, what, 12 at the time when I met you? And to me, all I had from Star Wars was... Uh, fancy lightsaber action scenes in Attack of the Clones. Then I met you and, and you showed me plenty of examples of what a good movie is like. <laughs> I think the example you showed me was um, yeah, Pulp Fiction was the one you recommended to me, which I mm-hmm. went to watch at home and realized wow, this is this was great. I was 12, that checks out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then I remember I did another binge of Star Wars and, real, and with a whole new uh, set of glasses on, I guess the expression is, and realized how horrible Attack of the Clones is and what acting actually is. 
So what's your favorite Star Wars now? You know me, Ansa, and I know what it is you want to do, but it is still Return of the Jedi. Oh, it's Return of the Jedi, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, that's better than Attack of the Clones. Yes, it's a But it's still rock. We're here to talk about Love Actually, not Star Wars. We are, we're here to talk about Love Actually. But yeah, in fairness, though, I did have, like, my parents still introduced me to some very good movies before meeting you, even. Yeah. Because I'd already seen Die Hard before meeting you, and already knew that it was a good movie. Yeah, that's a, you had the Die Hard collection on yeah, DVD, I'd, I remember. Yeah, I'd seen one and two before even meeting you. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, Love Actually was another movie, which I still think is one of my favorite uh, Christmas movies of all time. It might be one of my favorite Richard Curtis movies. So I think this is interesting, is that your father, Nick, uh, your, both of your parents, as you said, had good taste in movies. Yeah. But it was primarily your dad that drilled certain movies into you at yeah. a young age. Uh, yes, I think that would be fair to say. Uh, and that would be, like, what, the Bond movies? Bond movies, of course. Um... All the Richard, Richard Kurt, yeah, yeah, all of Richard Curtis. Four movies. weddings and a funeral. Absolutely, uh, yeah. Um, he also was a huge fan of like some of the cheesier action movies. So Crocodile Dundee was one of his favorites. Oh, sweet. Yeah. yeah. So that was one that we went to and watched quite a lot. Uh, I'm trying to think way back then. I remember visiting your house after I had left. After I moved to Okemos, we, I came back and visited one summer, and um, we were at your place. It was really late at night. We had been eating and drinking and stuff. And then I just kind of, your dad asked me if I had ever seen Where Eagles Dare. And ah, I was yes. like, no, I haven't. He was like, pop it in, Pierre. So you put it in. I find out it's two and a half hours yeah. long. I'm already like half asleep and it's 11 p.m. We just sit there, watch all two and a half hours of Where Eagles Dare. I'm pretty sure I nodded off a couple times. Yeah, don't worry. So I barely remember that movie. But, and, and then I realized, obviously that is your dad's favorite Clint Eastwood movie yeah. because it's mostly a Richard Burton movie. Yes, correct. Uh, the Brit. Yeah, the film. my dad is quite a proud Brit, even yeah. though, well, anyway. Even though, oh, yeah, you're going to call him Scottish for a second? Is that no, I'm just going to comment on the fact that he's probably going to become French real soon. <laughs> French says, yeah, maybe. Um, so, okay, so, yeah, so you had this, well, and then Lord of the Rings, I guess, you were always into, right? Yeah, that one, that one is one of my proudest achievements that I had watched Lord of the Rings before you did, and yeah. recommended it to you, Johnny Mockney, the film connoisseur. Yeah, you got me into Lord of the Rings. Yeah, yeah so, was... I'm, that's a very proud of achievement of mine. Yeah, and I remember, like, telling my mom, I'm like, Pierce says I should watch the Lord of the Rings, so I started watching it, and she was like, no, you don't need another thing. <laughs> Like, I just was too obsessed with too many movies. Yeah. Can... And then your friends proceeded to get you um, Anduril. For yeah, you guys got me Anduril, the giant sword that Aragorn wields yeah. at the end of Return of the King, which is uh, at my, my bedroom at my parents' house as we speak. Um, I can only imagine how Sopa must have been pleased to find that out. Yeah, no, yeah. It was Knowing this information now. Well, my favorite thing is that gift was technically from everybody. Yeah. But I think there were a couple guys that chipped in probably like five bucks. No, it wasn't even chipping. Like, was it really? Yeah, everyone's. Oh, uh, like we first knew how many people wanted to chip in, and then we all. Chipped well, in. then I'm sorry, Harry. I think I, I think I said I thought Harry just threw in like a hundred bot or something. No, 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 no. <laughs> Harry had his fair share. Okay, good. All right. Well, Harry, I take back everything I've ever said about you, and I hope we can mend our friendship. Um, so, love actually. Yeah. Do you remember the first time you saw this movie? Uh, I'm, I know I've seen it multiple times when I was young, so I've, the earliest memory I have of it was Christmas 2004, 2005, I'd like to say, because it was in our old house in France, and I still remember my dad putting it on. Okay. And I think we've seen it just about every year since. It's like a family tradition. I know each family has their movie for Christmas. For mine, it's love, actually. Yeah. And okay. it is a must. Yeah, yeah, because, like, it is... 
you know, everyone has their a Christmas story or their Christmas vacation or mm. oh yeah or their various adaptations of a Christmas Carol. You and know? for personally, for me, it feels like it's a unique because I don't see many people talking about Love Actually for Christmas. Like it's not the go-to Christmas movie. It's not the go-to. I would say it's one of the. I'd say like if you look at like a top ten list, it comes up. Yeah. Um, uh, definitely unique as a family choice. Yeah. I mean, here <laughs> the slightly funny. The reason I have such a vivid memory of it is because well, uh, there are certain scenes that would not be good for a five-year-old to watch in yeah. the, that movie particularly the Martin Freeman storyline, where my parents would know when those scenes were coming up and then ask my sister and I to maybe go brush our teeth or get changed for bed <laughs> while those mo- scenes were playing. No, yeah, that's smart. It wasn't until maybe a few years, like when we moved to Thailand, that we saw those scenes in full. Like, Wait, there's this whole other arc in the movie yeah. we never saw? There's an additional storyline? Yeah. To be fair, that storyline, out of all of them, feels like it takes the smallest amount of screen time. Yeah, which is why we didn't notice it's And it's so inconsequential yeah. to the rest of the movie. It's very bizarre. Funnily enough, I don't know if you know this, Johnny, but in the, so when we moved to Thailand, there was the Thai release of the movie. And that cut out that The story. entire arc, except yeah. for when Martin Freeman shows up at the end... In the airport. Oh, interesting. So that scene where they're just... These two random people show up with like their tickets and they're engaged and everything. Yeah. And they just say, yep, yeah, bye-bye, we're going off to our flight now. Right. That scene is still there. And so you're this random couple got engaged at the end. Yeah. You're like, wow, is that... Wait, is that... Is that Martin Freeman yeah. from The Office? Yeah. I assume this is how people would have referred to him at the yeah. time. <laughs> so yeah, I found that quite funny. that they cut an entire arc in the Thai release. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I, I think it's necessary, you know? Yeah, it's it's its own type. Like, I, what I like about Love Actually is that there's many different types of romances, and that's one. One could say that love actually <laughs> is all around. Ah, uh, yes. That had to be said at some point, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think that might be my least favorite thing in the movie. If there's anything I, like, don't like... Is that it's never... It's, it's only the, said once. It's just, well, it's the opening monologue from Hugh Grant. I, personally, I love that opening monologue. Yeah, when you have that real footage of people at Oh, Heathrow. that's such a... Like, the more I find out about them all, that opening scene, the more I like it. The fact that it's actually people film, being filmed in Heathrow, it makes you feel warm inside. But Yeah, no, the footage is sweet. I, I don't know, it's just weird. It feels emotionally manipulative to me. It is, but I, like, I don't mind. It's Christmas. If I'm feeling grim about the world, it's very nice to hear And I also just... I don't like them telling me the point of the movie before I see the movie. I'm like, let me watch it. If there's any solace for you, just know that Hugh Grant is probably, like, hating himself for saying that speech. Oh, yeah, yeah. You think he's embarrassed of it? Don't you know what Hugh Grant's, like, he hates all those roles he plays. All the rom-com roles? Yeah. Like, he he himself is a very grim guy. He just is a nihilist. Well, he's British. Yeah, and he just doesn't understand why Richard Curtis keeps casting him in his role. These do, roles. Do you ever feel a sense of hypocrisy with how many Brits make rom coms, where it's just kind of like probably none of them believe in the optimism <laughs> of them? <laughs> I see an irony, and I kind of like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I suppose that's where that's the tension of a lot of these, especially the Richard Curtis movies, is they yeah. flirt with very like dark stuff and morbid mm-hmm. stuff, and oftentimes the characters are so cynical. That that's where the arcs come from. He challenges yeah. this idea we have of the typical Brit. You know, yeah. if only he didn't do it like five times. Yeah, yeah, he does it in every single movie. The yeah, mix, right. Um, I, I so in love. Actually, I think what really kind of struck me about this movie the first time we watched it is like there's it, it's it's kind of like it's there's a lot of rom coms. That have repeated this formula. That's true, yeah. Like, 
Valentine's Day. Yeah, New Year's Eve. New Year's Eve. Uh, he's just not that into you. There's these movies that they do a similar thing with these kind of intertwining, like, multiple, you know, storylines over the course of a day or two or something or some mm-hmm. amount of time. And um, we're... And we just follow all of them, and it's usually just like a murderous row of famous people playing yeah. all these roles. Because that's the thing. A lot of these people, they only had to film for a couple of days, because they're essentially all making 20-minute movies. Yeah. Uh, and so it was much easier to get like a star-studded cast. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think what Love Actually has that a lot of those movies don't have is like, it's a very crude movie. It's got a quite a crass sense of humor, yeah, I think. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the opening is a perfect example of that with Bill Nye. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, well, and that, I feel like that opening is, like, the thesis statement for the whole movie. Yeah. Is where you, you we have Bill Nye uh, playing a rock star in, I think, the only storyline of the film that's not directly linked to any of the other storylines. He does affect it, one. Yeah, he end, affects one, yeah. But does not interact with any other characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, you see him recording the song, a cover of Love is All Around. Yeah. Uh, where it's Christmas is all around. And he keeps messing it up. And then I think my favorite part is, like, when he messes up and he goes, like, fuck shit, ass, head, and hole. Uh, he says a couple other things in that line, but I'll let you slide. Yeah, 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 slide. yeah, yeah he adds, <laughs> he says more things. But, yeah, and then it's, like, the, then the moment where then he finally gets it right and then he looks at his agent uh, or his manager, and he says, like, this is shit, isn't it? And he's like, yes, solid, solid gold shit in my throat. Yeah, yeah. Which which is sort of the thesis statement for the movie, yeah. where it's just kind of like, this movie, like, it's like these types of rom-coms are, like, kind of like shit. Yeah. But this movie knows that it's shit, and it's doing something a little different with it, you know? Yeah. We're not going to play around and act like everything's okay. Some of the storylines yeah. even go badly. Yeah, some of them don't have happy endings. It's something I really appreciated from that movie. That yeah, so the example I think is the Alan Rickman story. Is like yeah, that's not a happy ending, and I appreciate it. Like as I grow older, I'm happy that they went for. Not everyone has a happy ending. Yeah, well, it's it's almost the Alan Rickman Emma Thompson story is interesting. Where Rickman is the boss at this one company. He's Laura Linney's boss. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, he's attracted to his seductive uh, uh, secretary. Yeah. And then Emma Thompson is just like this adorable, homely wife. She's Emma Thompson. She's, she's, you know, wonderful. Um, and, you know, she's really into Joni Mitchell. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, the way that basically climaxes is that she finds out about him and his secretary. It's sort of ambiguous as to whether or not he slept with his secretary. Yeah. But we're led to believe that if he if he didn't, he was about to. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, Which is bad enough. Right, right. And, and you know, and then he kind of repents for it. She's upset with him. And at the end of it, there's clearly, like, this tension with them that's sort of unresolved, but it's like this mature, like, we're going to stay together, we're going to move on. It's not a tragic ending where they break up, but it's very like, you know, he made a big mistake and they're going to have to live with this, you know? Yes. Which which is probably the most mature ending to that story you could ever do, I think. Yeah, I was very happy about the ending of that story, but I was also a bit disappointed that, I don't know if you heard about this, but the Red Nose Day actually sequel, Yeah. Yeah. they didn't manage to do... Like ver- finish their story arc because well Rickman had passed Rickman away. Rickman unfortunately then. passed away. Yeah. yeah, and Emma Thompson said she wouldn't return for that. I would have loved to see what where that arc would have gone afterwards. I gotta be honest, the Red Nose Day actually video, mm-hmm. I, uh, I hated that. 
It's very dumb, but... I I just thought it was, like, so... It's, like, a ten-minute sequel to Love Actually, basically. Yeah. But, like, some of the... Like, the way... What they did with the Liam Neeson story, I thought was really dumb. With the kid just yeah. marrying the kid. Like, why would he marry the girl he fell in love with? A bit 10? of optimism, my man. It's just so... I don't know. Well, I know, I know. It's completely unrealistic. But right. He just got... Just, that's the one, one of the few stories in Love Actually that ends well. And you're kind of hoping it keeps going on. You don't assume that a kid's first love is going to be the person he marries as an adult. You know? That's a ridiculous... That's not even optimism. I think that's psychopathic to think that that's how it should go. Because you change change so much when you move into adulthood. (laughs) You know? Yeah, I mean, fair enough. But who knows? You may change... Both of you may change in the correct way where you're still compatible. However, I will say what I hate most about that scene is how cheesy it is with the... Um, marriage proposal and everything where she's asking permission from Liam Neeson's parent Liam Neeson to marry his son yeah I mean it's a whatever. bit cheesy I, I just uh, yeah I don't like it I, th- I hate that whole thing I think it's uh, yeah I'm Mike and I'm Allison we've both been guests on We Are Movies before we love talking movies with Johnny but I'm a jealous boy you are that's why we've decided to talk movies with, with each other. other we started our own podcast called You, you Made, made me, me Watch each week we make each other watch a movie the other has never seen You Made Me Watch new episodes every Friday I mean uh, I think I hate like the um, Carrie and Knightley storyline of actually a bit more than that because of how I was going to say the Carrie and Knightley story is my probably my least favorite yes, story. Yes. Like the only part of that story I like the most is the wedding itself because you've got like um, the wedding's all you, fun. Yeah, all you need is love like that's <laughs> like yeah, the stupidly, trumpets pop up and you're like, duh, 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 duh. yeah yeah. It's just so incredibly all stupid. Love. Yeah, it's great. I find it great. And you've got a couple good actors here. You've got Keira Knightley. You've got Chiwetel Ejiofor, who's both of them who were very wasted in the in the movie. Well, neither of them were really famous before that movie came out. Yeah, Keira Knightley specifically. She was still like she was underrated at the time. I think. Really, I think so. Yeah. Um, and then Andrew Lincoln. uh, Yeah, and and basically the story is that Andrew Lincoln is in love with Kira Knightley and she just married his best friend. I don't know what the lesson is in that arc. It's a very strange story um that but where like she finds out that he was like he got this footage of he was getting footage of the wedding and he was just fo- filming her the whole time. Yeah. You know, which has like that has like uh, uh peeping tom movie vibes like a little slight slasher kind of like like psycho yeah. vibes um also if because it's implied they had a cinematographer for that wedding right someone else was filming everything yeah so yeah. didn't anyone ask why are you filming this whole time right he was just like oh, i'm just recording the bride for myself yeah you know? um it's and just... then she finds out and she's like that's weird so she finds out that he's in love with her or whatever why if he knew what was in that tape why okay i guess she did come asking for the tape you could have just said he deleted it that would have been the easy solution well that's what he was like oh i'm pretty sure i wiped it he says something like that yeah okay uh, fair enough and like that automatically i don't relate to what he's doing like i find that to be strange behavior that's that I don't understand. It's quite... Also, if anyone relates to that behavior, it's a bit toxic, isn't it? It's just saying, yeah, yeah, yeah it's, this is normal. Don't worry about it. Right, right. And then the way that arc concludes, I think, is strange, and it's kind of a non-ending. It, it's very ambiguous as to what's going to happen next. Like, like the, when he comes up... To, when he, he comes to her house uh, and, like, knocks on the door, and it's, like, Christmas Eve... 
He pretends that there's carolers. He turns on like a little radio <laughs> and he uses these cards. And the scene's like kind of iconic. Yeah, it is iconic. That's the issue. <laughs> but it's just him just kind of saying like, you know, hey, I'll be kind of in love with you right now, but I'll move on eventually or something. It's very vague what he's trying to say. Yeah. And then she gives him a kiss and she goes In back fairness, Renosi does amend that ending a tiny bit because they kind of show, yeah, he's has got moved on. And he's just right. here to let her know. Yeah, but also that was weird too. And yeah. Right, it like, was what weird, is he but... doing knocking on this lady's door in the future and doing the same thing? I mean... But uh, the, the funniest, you know, the top rated review on Letterboxd for this movie is somebody who says... What would he have done if done if a chudal edgy was the one who came to the door? You know, what are the odds? Because he's the one who's just like, ah, give him a quid and tell him to bugger off because he's busy watching TV. I mean, maybe he would have thought, yeah, I know my friend well enough. He he'll let his wife <laughs> handle this. Yeah, dude, that's weird. Like the ending that's missing for this movie is where chudal edgy for Dex Andrew Lincoln <laughs> across great, the chops. That would have been actually pretty great. Like a good ending to it. Yeah, I'd be like, bro, you you you. You creep on my fiance now wife, mm. and now you're like what talking to her with cue cards <laughs> on my own doorstep. No. Yeah, the, the guy needs the guy needs needs a yeah little knock in the chops. But let's see that arc is very very strange. Yeah, this is what, what happens when I drink during an episode. I get I get honest about which characters need to be punched in the face. That's cider. You're not wasted yet. It's hard. It's hard cider, Pierre. Fair enough. Also, I started drinking before I got here. Anyway. Okay, fair enough. Before I drove here. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah. Kids. yeah. Um, I didn't drink. Wait, what? <laughs> okay, don't, don't, don't drink and drive, kids. Yeah. Um, I think, wait, talking about arcs, I've, so the other one that connects with that arc is the Laura Linney arc. And yeah. Through that joke where she thinks he might be gay. Yeah. By looking at the fact that he's staring at the bride. Again, that happens during the wedding scene. Which yeah, is yeah. I do have to say, I think the way that the time passes early in the movie is strange. The editing's a little... It's a little bizarre. Like, mm. the way that you see Colin Firth talking to a sick wife, and then he goes out to the wedding, and then later he comes back before the reception, and then finds out she's cheating on him with his brother. It just feels... I don't know. It feels like they could have just put that scene after the reception, and just... She didn't know that he'd be home as soon. Like, because it's weird because they go from that scene oh, to the yeah. reception. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's a weird flow of scenes. But the weirdest one is there's this guy, Colin, who wants to go to America. <laughs> yeah, Colin. To get laid. Mm -hmm. And he's talking to his buddy who, um, who he works with, like, at catering yeah, yeah. at this wedding, right? Mm -hmm. And, um, uh, he, and so he's telling him, like, you know, I'm Colin, god of sex. I'm only on the wrong continent. And he's like, and then his friend's like, Colin, you're an ugly asshole. And then it cuts to his friend on this uh, movie set where they've got, where we introduced the Martin Freeman yeah. storyline. But it's really weird because it cuts to that friend that was in this scene on yeah. that movie set. It's just a very strange flow of time. I'm, I'm guessing it was just an attempt to like clarify how the stories are linked because you wouldn't, right? Because that guy barely, you barely cut to him. You barely see his face. Well, also, that guy is not. He doesn't have an arc for he himself. He doesn't have his own arc. He's just very bouncing. He's a weird. It feels like a very like. It feels like an afterthought to like. Oh, let's have Colin's friend also be an assistant on this movie set. In fairness, he he's a friend. We like in that Colin arc, we won't laugh at him trying to give his friend good advice. Yeah, and just not. <laughs> but we never even have him like. There's never like him with Colin saying like, "Oh, I gotta get over to the movie set." 
Like, yeah. it feels like they just wrote two separate characters and decided on set that he would be the same character. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you gotta connect them somehow. In fairness, he does guess... get a happy ending. Ends up with the cowboy girls. He ends up with Denise Richards. Yeah, the character. That's the thing, is that this movie has multiple cameos from beautiful women. Beautiful models. I remember when you were watching it, you were so incredibly pissed off as to how well Colin was pulling in that American well, war. And it's so bizarre, too. That's a bizarre plot line. And that movie, that plot kind of subverts expectations in a way that you don't expect. In that it's in, <laughs> and, and that everything pans out exactly as he would expect. Yeah. Like, you're like, oh, he's going to go to America. He's going to make a fool of himself. He just goes to America and then in a comical fashion... Three beautiful women yeah. show Which up. January say, Jones is one of them, uh, and they, yeah. and they all like just decide to take him home. And they're like, "Oh, by the way, we don't wear clothes." You do whatever. know that the, the actor for Colin did not get paid for that day on set. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, but it, it's funny because it's just like it's a non-ending. It's just like he shows up and got it, exactly as he wanted. <laughs> I'm. Uh, screw that arc because it gave me very unrealistic expectations for when I came to the US. Yeah, yeah, wasn't that great? Because uh, doesn't he go to like some stupid town too? I think he goes to Michigan, my friend. No, he doesn't go to Michigan. He goes to, I would remember if he went to Michigan. It's a northern state. He, yeah, because it's like cold. Yeah. Um, but it's like some middle America like um, state that's not, it's not like a big city. It's not like a big yeah. tourist uh, destination. I'm going to find it. Um, yeah, but either way... I have to admit, that arc doesn't lead to much. He goes to Milwaukee, it Wisconsin. Mi- Wisconsin, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know where Milwaukee is, Pierre. Don't, don't act like you're the Midwest expert here, all right? Fair <laughs> okay, I, I'll fold on that one. But, uh, yeah, no, multiple women there. Um, there's Elisha, uh, Alicia Cuthbert, January Jones, and Ivana Milovic uh, are the three women that he meets. Uh, yeah, and then that's how that story concludes. They take him home and they all have sex with him. I mean, there's gonna be some happy endings. Yeah, and then he takes home the cowboy girl, uh, played by Which, Shannon what? Elizabeth from American Pie fan. How does that work out practically? How does he bring her home? Yeah, he brings her back to London. Like, what did he and agree with her to bring her back? Also brings this Denise Richards character yeah. with him to hook up with his friend, who works on movie sets. And, uh, so that brings us, so let's talk about the Martin Freeman storyline. Yeah, it's... It's a kind of a happy. It's one of the happier it's, ones. It's and cute. It, it's very cute. I like the the gimmick of it. Is yeah. that Martin Freeman and um, it's so typically British. They're doing this very awkward thing, and yet they're having casual conversation the entire time. Right. Martin Freeman and Joanna Page are the two actors. Yeah. In this, and and he's yeah. They're playing body doubles on a movie, so they have to get naked and pretend like they're having sex. But the funny thing is that they're both incredibly shy people. Yeah. And they're having like very tepid flirting sessions while they're pretending to 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 have sex with each other yeah and um and that's like that's a funny game and that's pretty yeah. much the whole thing it does and like i'm sure for you you nihilist uh the fact that they like they start dating almost right away after they come home from the set must be a bit unrealistic for you um the fact that he goes home with her and on christmas day he says hey do you want what well, she says um the only thing i want for christmas is you uh, no problem with that. I don't. I don't really get the ending to that, honestly, because it's weird. Because it's like Christmas Eve, and they go on a date, and then she says like, "All I want for Christmas is you," and she gives him a kiss, and he leaves. And then later we see them going to the recital together, 
That was oh, always yeah. weird to me too. I never understood. I was like, oh, did they? That must okay. If it's non chronological order, that could just be what their date was. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then it was would have been told out of order, possibly. Um, yeah, but yeah, no, I I don't mind that storyline at all. I think it's. I mean, it's basically it's a one. Like we said, it probably has four or five minutes of screen time. The yeah. whole storyline. So by the time it's over, you're just like, oh yeah, it's. It's about, we got about as much as it was worth, you know. Yeah. The meteor storylines in this are Alan Rickman uh, and Emma Thompson, as you mentioned. Yeah. Hugh Laura, Grant, we haven't talked about Hugh Grant. We'll talk about Hugh Grant in a little yeah. bit, because we have, I have some points to make. Yeah. Um, uh, we have... Laura Linney. Laura Linney. Is she a mate? I don't think she is a mate. Like, that's, her storyline isn't actually that long compared to the other two. Yeah, and it also kind of has a non-ending. I... It, it's got an unhappy ending. It's got an unhappy Which ending. I, I would, like, a lot of us can probably relate to that she ending. She doesn't end up with this gorgeous man that she works with, um, who's played by Rodrigo Santoro of 300 fame. Um, and Westworld. Even though, West, uh, even though uh, uh, Alan Rickman really wants to get them together, he's like, how long have you been yeah, in love with Carl? I mean, that's a good boss, I guess, kind of. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of cute. Breaking all sorts of HR rules, but you know. Yeah, yeah. It's also funny when he says Carl, because that's the name of one of the terrorists in Die Hard. <laughs> Only you could think of that. So yeah. in Die Hard, another great Christmas film, he always says Carl. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, she goes on a date with Carl, things get kind of hot and heavy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Laura Linney got naked for this movie, which I did not expect. Not every, not every copy of it. Like, it's only a recent copy of it I saw. I was like, wait, Laura Linney gets naked? I don't remember this. Yeah, yeah there's a little bit of side boob, I guess. I don't know. Anyway, like, look, who's, counting? who's counting? Who's counting? Not Clearly me. you. <laughs> not me. Yeah, fair enough. Fine. Let's move on from this conversation because it's just getting weird. Um, surprising amount of nudity in this movie, for what it is. Yeah. There's Laura Linney, there's, uh, there's, um, Joanna Page, Joanna Page, yeah, there's, there's a little bit of female nudity, I don't know if there's, I mean, do you see Martin Freeman's butt? I feel like you probably do. Oh, you probably do. It's really funny that he's a body double in a movie, because he's kind of just got this, like, pudgy, normal guy. I mean, doesn't he say he was a body double for Brad Pitt? For Brad Pitt, in in seven years in Tibet, that's what he says, yeah, which is pretty funny. Mm -hmm. Um, so, we have a Laura Linney story, I think we can all, like, there's... Probably at one point in our lives we can relate to what she had to do, like decide whether what that family was more important for one moment. Yeah, and I kind of liked it. It's like it's it covers all the bases for that movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, the, that the way it ends with her and her mentally challenged brother is just like so like. It's when you see them when she goes she leaves this date with Rodrigo Santoro mm-hmm. and goes to see the. The brother and like he tries to hit her and she has to stop him and she's like don't do that darling you just feel it feels so cold and dark you're just like oh yeah. this is so this is so depressing um and then there's that sweet moment when they celebrate christmas yeah so it's it's i feel like it's a very it's a melancholic ending it's yeah uh, bittersweet right right and it's also implied that it's not necessarily over between her and rodriguez or whatever her character carl uh i mean there's that bit where he says you know, he just says Merry Christmas yeah. while they're in the office and he leaves. So it's kind of just like, yeah, yeah, probably not going to work <laughs> out. Um, yeah. Also, you know that um, Richard Curtis, he kept finding trying to find someone to play the Laura Linney character yeah. for ages. And then he kept, every time it was said, if only we could get someone like Laura Linney. And at one point, the casting director just broke and said, fuck it, let's get Laura Linney. <laughs> yeah, he was like, well, why don't you... Like, if you want Laura Linney so bad, why don't you just ask her, you know? Yeah. Was, and she that makes her, I think, like, the only prominent American actor in the movie. Uh, yeah, only prominent one. Because yeah. we also got Billy Bob Thornton in this. 
Yes. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get to that, <laughs> we'll get to that story in a bit. But first, yeah. um, uh, Emma Thompson is friends with Liam Neeson. Yeah. Whose wife just passed away in one of many films in which Liam Neeson plays a widower. Um, yeah. And unrelated, Liam Neeson is a real life widower. Uh, was not at the time. Not of the at the time because it was in like 2001. Yeah, awfully prophetic. This love actually. Wait, no, it was. He had already been widowed. Had he? Yeah, because I, I'm pretty sure it's uh, Natasha Richardson was his wife. I think she died the day my sister was born. If I'm not wrong. Um, I will look it up now. I don't want to get this wrong. Um, nope. Natasha Richardson passed away in 2009. Okay, never mind then. So, um, but yeah, one of many films in which she played a widower. Um. <laughs> uh, I do. I really like his storyline. The fact that he's a stepdad. Was... It's my favorite storyline. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, definitely up there for me. It's very sweet. It's you know, it's uh, uh, him basically. It's just him and his stepson. Yeah. After his after the mom passed away, and I love early on. There's this tension where he doesn't know. Yeah, it's great. If his son's just depressed because he's. He misses his mom, but then it just turns out his son is like in love with a girl at school. It's, it's a relative, I know it's very cheesy, but it's very heartwarming. Yeah, and, and plus the, the fact that the kid's young and you can let it be like the naive children, childish thoughts and like, yep, yeah, this this checks out. This yeah, makes sense. And, and and the kid's good, and I think Liam Neeson is like really good in the storyline. Yeah. I think he's he does that tenderness well, mm-hmm. but also seems profoundly damaged at the yeah. same time. I mean, he has that scene where he cries on uh, Emma Thompson's shoulder at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah, for a character like actor like Liam Neeson, who's in action movies rarely, that's not. Yeah, well, he was not an action guy at the time. Hadn't done Taken. No, no, no. Oh, okay. Taken came out in two thousand eight. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah, Taken was uh, um, that that was important. That was a big career turn for Liam Neeson when he was fifty five. I'd always assumed he had been an action star, but yeah, I mean, he had played tough guy roles. He had done Rob Mm -hmm. Roy. You know, he had obviously been in Star Wars and stuff like that. Oh yeah, of course. You know, definitely not the persona that we know him to be. All right. Um. But yeah, no, he's good, um, and I think yeah, the developments of that story are nice. I like when they do Titanic together. Yeah, you know, um, and then it's the the way it ends is a little corny. I, I love it. Okay, in fairness, when I was a kid, I was I really loved that scene for some reason. Like I would sing along to the song at the end. Oh, you're talking about all I want for Christmas. Yeah, I don't know why. But it's a great song. Yeah, I would. It's a great sequence. Like, my parents would play it. Like whenever we were playing the Christmas albums in the car, I would make sure to skip straight to that song. Yeah, because I loved it so much. We meet the girl that, uh, and, and this movie has a great relationship with music. Yeah, uh, we'll get to another one yeah, of the important yeah. songs later. But obviously, it starts off with the Christmas is all around. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, we have uh in this scene the all i want for christmas is yeah. you sequence where he had to learn how to play the drums so he could play the drums of the talent show to impress her i mean it's such a stupid uh, plot yeah. point but i love it it's and she has this amazing voice yeah uh, it's great no, i don't mind that ending I, I think it's a little corny the way that liam neeson bumps into this woman that looks just <laughs> like uh, yeah that happens to be played by the model that he's obsessed yeah, with yeah in fairness that went over my head when i was right. a kid and you, then when i watched it i was like Oh, this is so stupid. But, yeah. I had to Google it. I was like, oh, who is this? It's Claudia like, Schiffer. It's, yeah, yeah. Uh, Claudia Schiffer. I think yeah. it's Claudia Schiffer. Yeah, yeah, because he early in the movie just keeps saying like, oh, I'd like to marry Claudia Schiffer. And then there's just a mom that looks like her that's yeah. played it, by her. Oh, there is one piece of crass dialogue with him and somehow like, oh, yeah, if, Claudia, if I ever date Claudia Schiffer, you'll be out of a house. We'll want to have sex in every room, including yours. Yeah. It's like, what? Well, uh, there's a lot of... 
off-color dialogue with yeah. Dick. Because he also calls him a motherless mongrel at one point. Okay, that I don't mind, because I was clearly being sarcastic. Yeah, yeah, but it's it's kind of fun. Like, yeah, I it's know. kind it's of like, funny. It's like, you're like, that's that's a unique thing about this movie. Other other movies would play that relationship much straighter. Yeah. And I also think it's very unique to make it about a stepfather and a son. I wonder with a dead if... mom. Because that makes their relationship a little different. It's not the same as a father-son. I do like they don't dramatize it too much. Like, it isn't a huge point of tension but it is something they've overcome earlier on yeah yeah it's something like you can clear that they like each other yeah but there's just like they're still developing the uh, father-son relationship a bit and i think in the way that he says those crass things to her to him those are things your father would not say yeah it's something that's very uniquely like that's something a stepfather says because there's more of a detachment there yeah we weren't i didn't raise you to this point yeah i feel more welcome it's like being an uncle and a father at the same time (laughs) yeah you know um. So yeah, I like I like that. Okay, what about the part. airport airport scene? By the way, where he's just running. Off the- I imagine you probably hate that. I li- I like it because it's kind of a parody of of rom com endings. Yeah, because rom com endings they always have that airport dash, and it's such a cliche. And this is a movie that's very hyper aware of the cliches. Yeah. Also, yeah. the score for that scene is great. I really like it. Yeah, yeah. No, the score in the whole movie is very good. Yeah. I think it's, it's got very one like distinctive. Yeah, one beat, but it's great. Yeah, yeah, um, and and that's like where it's intercut, where you have you know Colin Firth, yeah, over in France. Bill Nye singing in the background as well. Yeah, Bill Nye on the TV. Who and that, that's the one moment where he affects things because he distracts security guards. Yeah, so the kid can run after this, the girl and you know say goodbye to her. Um, and uh, I guess now we should talk about Hugh Grant. And if you want, we can talk about Colin Far- Colin Firth as well. We can talk about Colin Firth. I don't if have much to say about Colin Firth. Uh, well, you... The only trivia I have for that is that uh, they spent a whole day arguing about what the girl's bikini would be like. Oh, really? Yeah, they spent a whole day debating that. I, I, don't, um, know, I don't know why it's it's, it's I, really dumb. I'm kind of indifferent to the Colin Firth storyline. Because I like Colin Firth. I think he's mm-hmm. a charming presence. I think he's a good actor. Um, I think he fits these kinds of roles. Yeah. Uh, the storyline's just weird just because it's about him... Being really into the hot, like, like younger maid, foreigner lady, yeah, the foreign maid that yeah, yeah works at at the place that he's renting or something. I mean, I've lived in Thailand. We've seen enough in of this. France, yeah, but it, it's, it's just def- I just don't buy that they fall in love. That's just kind of like, eh, all right. I mean, whatever. He's into her. I get it. It's, you know. Also, I don't like it because it's the least Christmassy plot of all of them. There's like no. It's not snowing where they're at. There's no. There's no Christmas aesthetic. I mean, he did. Yeah, okay, I guess it's... Well, except that one scene where he decides to ditch his family f- to go see her. Yeah, they're all like, I hate Uncle Jamie. <laughs> see, th- the more that time has passed, the more like I've noticed the irony, the intentional irony that's in this movie. And I think that I like that a little bit more. Because now when you get to that part where he goes to see his family and then leaves his entire family <laughs> to travel to another country and propose... To a woman who doesn't speak his language and he's never he had a conversation with, it seems kind of like a joke. Like this is like, what if the most extreme version of a rom com? It's very self aware because they have like the entire town following him. The and whole the rest town of him. Yeah, and then there's that great. There, I do love the gag where there's like this Chinese telephone thing where something's lost in the translation. Yeah, and it's like oh that he's gonna sell his daughter to this American, and then it's like he's gonna go kill Aurelia. Like they just keep. <laughs> like misinterpreting what he's trying to do. Yeah, um, I mean it's great. I I think it's definitely an over exaggeration of what the. I think it's Portuguese, right? Portuguese. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, 
So now I guess we talk about Hugh Grant. Yeah, I think that I think personally that might be my favorite storyline because I yeah. I'm a sucker for Hugh Grant. He's I always find him like his comedic timing is great. Yeah, I think he's funny. Mm-hmm. Um, I I agree with him a little bit that I don't think he needed to keep doing rom coms. Uh, I think he's good in a few of them. I mean, definitely. I think Gentleman was probably one of my favorite performances of he's his. He's fantastic yeah. in the Gentleman. The guy Richie. I wish he did more performances like that. It more stuff so well. like that would be great. You know, he more. did a bit of that in Cloud Atlas to a certain extent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's good to know that he can do a bit more. But he's just so good at the um, bumbling British man who's just trying to succeed at love and try to maintain his life. In this case, maintain the country. Well, yeah, he's this kind of you know. You know, sort of like charmingly, like uh, aloof, you know, kind aloof. Of? Yeah, yeah, I guess that's a good word. Kind of a dork, but like cute. You know, yeah. He's one of those guys. It's in a lot of rom coms where like a lot of people I know are just like, oh, I don't see what people like. What's so attractive about him? Or it's like he's not. He's like kind of a dork. Yeah. You know, he's not like an ugly guy. You know, he's not like he a, can, he, he's. He's charming in his own way, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he can be handsome, you know. He can can definitely get with Julia Roberts somehow. Yeah, yeah, he's, like, he's charming, but also has a very um, nervous presence, too. Yeah. And... um, I do wonder how he got elected as the British PM. Yeah. Because it's not, like, his... I don't think we've seen many PMs like him in Britain. Well, I take it he kind of has, like, a Justin Trudeau-like... Appeal, yeah. They like it's like his boyish charm, you in, know. In fairness, though, uh, dating your assistant or dating your mate is a very common British trope for PMs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's a bit yeah. too stereotypical. Which Arnold Schwarzenegger should have moved there. He'd have a <laughs> great political career. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Ao, take that, Arnold. Sorry, I love you. Um, so yeah, he ends up in love with his Assi- uh, his what would you one call of it? the people on his staff. Yeah. This I, woman. Yeah, we'll just call her that. Yes, uh, played by um, Martine McCutcheon, mm-hmm. um, uh, who I haven't, I don't know if I've seen in any. I don't else. think I have either. But, um, you know, she's, she's they, they have some good banter that, yeah. and it is this kind of funny thing where just like he sits down and goes, oh no, like he just immediately knows he's in love with her. I like the fact that he puts his head on and looks at Margaret Thatcher. Yeah, he looks at Margaret as Thatcher. A, as a Brit, I, I appreciate that joke. It was like, of course you had these kinds of problems, you saucy minx, I think yeah. he says. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and that's a funny, and that's another storyline where I think the irony is a lot more apparent to me. Yeah. Because the most important part of the story is um, when uh, the president of the United States shows up. Uh, as by the way, does Hugh Grant's character have a name? No. Well, um, I have heard, no. David. His yeah, first David. David. Yeah, because Emma Thompson's character calls him that. Yes, and uh, and Martin McCutcheon calls David later too. Yeah. Um, but he's he's the prime minister. Uh, the unnamed American president shows up. Yeah, played by played Billy by Bob Thornton. Billy Bob Thorne himself, the most, the our greatest export <laughs> as a country, uh, and uh, and that's a great to reveal you. too because Billy Bob Thornton does not appear on the poster of the movie. His name is not in the opening credits. Yeah, that had like an exclusive Brit- British only thing. So yeah, sorry. well, that's but that's. Oh, what, I think he might have actually been on the American poster. He might be, yeah. Yeah, I think, because they made different posters for different countries. I think for America they had... But, but that makes his appearance much funnier because you're not told to expect it. Yeah. So, like, you just see him and you're like, oh, shit. Like, I didn't know he was in the movie. Yeah. Uh, and he's... Uh, uh, there's this, like, 
conversation like he's kind of like body you know like when he sees the assistant he's just kind of like oh man she's yeah, he, got he says something like she's got a caboose on her or something he's like definitely that. pretending to be uh jfk i think that's what they're going for here uh no he seems more like a bush type really yeah because he's like southern yeah okay yeah, jfk was from boston okay he had a heavy massachusetts accent i'm in more of a personality not the accent um yeah I, mean, I, I don't know i think it's like a little bush uh, but just with a little bit more, like... In fairness, I think they were also going for a bit of Tony Blair with um, uh, Hugh Grant, so maybe they were trying to match the two yeah. world leaders at the time. Yeah, because I think Bo- yeah, Bush would have been president at the yeah. time, too. So. Um, but oh, maybe a little Bill Clinton, too. Yeah, oh... But that's probably... Yeah, that's, yeah, probably, yeah. that's better, yeah. Yeah, it feels like, yeah, he's definitely a little Bill Clinton. So, um, yeah, he ends up... Uh, basically, the Prime Minister ends up walking in. So, well, th- there's this tension set up between the UK and the US that's incredibly vague. <laughs> I I didn't realize how vague it was until I rewatched it because I kept right. thinking, like, what are, what's the actual problem here? And they just keep saying, no, we won't agree to that. Or this either. Right. I was like, wait, agree to what? We won't what's agree to this. He's like, oh, I'm just upholding my predecessor's policies. Well, these were bad policies, you know? And then he just says, like, I came to get what I wanted and I think we got it. Like, it's 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 like a cartoon. Yeah, and, and friends, I appreciate how vague it is because then it fits for any time. Right, and it's funny, I think. Yeah. It's kind of it makes it it just tells you how little this movie actually cares about politics mm-hmm. you know yeah this i mean movie. you appreciate you have to appreciate that a bit yeah yeah no i do like it um and uh hugh grant walks in on billy bob thornton you know touching martin mccutcheon yeah uh, like that that hasn't aged too well implied that uh, yeah yeah implied that it's kind of ambiguous in that moment of whether or not there was something consensual happening or if yeah. he was just coming on to her um and that leads to, you know... Uh, Him firing uh, her, which is a bit off. Firing her later, but before that, putting his foot down before the entire world <laughs> in a joint press conference. Yeah. Standing up to the President of the United States saying, this is a bad relationship, you know, but in his own and, Hugh Granty way. Yeah, and England has plenty of great things to say, which I won't lie, every time I watch that scene, it, it reminds me, yeah, I'm proud of being a, a Brit well, deep down. And he, well, he lists all these things. Well, hey, it's George, very George Carlin once very cleverly said that uh, you should never be proud of... I know, but it makes, it fools me into thinking I'm proud of my... No, of course, no, that's very smart of it. Uh, at the same time, so like, yeah, he, sa- he says like, you know, it's like a great country, Britain. We have, you know... Harry Potter, Sean Connery, um, David Beckham's right foot, foot. David, David, Beckham, David Beckham's left foot. Come yeah. think of it, you know there's that. He says J.K. Rowling as well. I think. I, I think know. he just says Harry Potter. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so we got out of that one. This one aged okay, guys. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, now stands up to the president in that moment, and there's like this inspiring music below it. Yeah. And my understanding is that the, at the time when this movie came out, that was a huge. Moment. Oh yeah, people loved that. Like yeah. they even asked questions to the current PM at the time. Hey, why don't you do this? Why don't you stand up to? Like, all these other bigger countries. Yeah, and he had to be like, guys, look, I know you want me to be like Hugh Grant from Love Actually, but we got to be realistic here, you know? <laughs> We're just the UK, there's not much we can do. Which probably did not help with any Brexiteer opinions at the time. <laughs> yeah. And here's what I got to say. And I told this to you earlier. And, like, I get it, I'm not British. You know, I don't, I'll never understand the, the emotional resonance of hearing that speech. <laughs> but I think what makes that scene work and what a lot of people misunderstand when they watch that speech and they're like, hell yeah, you know, go Britain, is that I think it's supposed to be ridiculous. It's supposed to be like, 
There's here's this guy who's butt hurt over something with a girl, with a woman. And now lashing out against that, he's making rash political decisions before the entire world on a whim just because he's a little mad about something that happened with a woman. Like like that's funny. And I think the music in that scene is supposed to be ironic. I don't maybe I need to rewatch it with that in mind, but me watching it it feels like they were, if they were trying to be sarcastic, they were at a whole other level because it it went past sarcasm and back to genuine again. That's what it felt like to me. Like if it, yeah, if it was going to sarcasm, they did it a bit too See, well. I just think that people who fist pump that scene and say yeah, go Britain, as I told you, it's no different than somebody who watches Team America World Police and goes like, oh hell yeah, America. I, I have. Yeah. I haven't seen Team America, so I, that's a puppet. Well, one, it's right? ironic. Yeah, it's yeah, like a it, fake pro America. The fact that he's so him. close to like what a British PM will act like, and he will, like first thing I think the score only makes it feel more genuine, ironically. It, well, and but the score is also so over the top. But that that also I, makes you, That's what makes Brits pip. Uh, well, what do you say? Um, raise their fists to be like, yeah, but let's go. All you need is the context of the scene, and you're just like, oh, this is ridiculous. But the thing is, like, the context this. of the scene has, I think, quite a, enough time as possible between when he's like, real, when they, the uh, U.S. president has kissed um, his assistant to that scene that you don't make the connection that well. That's well, I think the connection is clear because that's his whole motivation as a character. He does stare at her briefly before he's, making the yeah, speech, and he's not politically motivated as a character. We intentionally know nothing about the politics. Yeah, of it's, the scene. it's never implied which party so he is. The only motivating factor of this scene is his attraction to this woman, yeah, and that definitely comes across really well. Yeah, but I guess it must be because again, the British people are very uh, we're a proud people, but there's not a lot we got left. Sure, yeah, but and. I understand why it's a cathartic speech to maybe listen to it on its own, but but it's like that's why it's just funny that like he does that and then suddenly he's gets mass approval from other people in this yeah. country. He's the hero of the hour. All like, and f- we know nothing about the politics, so we don't even know if he's making a good decision. All we know is that he's just putting his foot down on foreign policy. Purely because of a woman. Yeah. And that's funny. Like, I think it's a funny scene. And I think that... I, I don't think it's an intentionally inspiring scene. In, well, I, that's, my, that's my take. I think this is a difference between the foreigner and, like, the national. Because, yeah, I guess I must be interpreting it very differently. Because yes. I... You could also be blinded by your own nationalism, Pierre. <laughs> that could be it. Uh, no. <laughs> not currently, at least. Definitely not currently. Yeah, no, you're not in love with Britain right now? Not particularly. More not, in nationality for that matter. You're not a big fan of their current leader? Boris Johnson? You were saying off-air, I just want to say to the record, Pierre was just all on, like, Boris Johnson for a bit ago. COVID, like, for a brief period Oh, of gosh, time. Boris Johnson, what a leader, that man. I hate you so much. Yeah, I, well, I'm just speaking I, the facts. I specified very clearly, only for a COVID policy six months ago. Yeah, I don't know much about Boris Johnson, but um, I like... Please don't cancel me for supporting Boris. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have never voted in the UK election, and I don't think I'm ever allowed to. <laughs> Dude, I'll move there just to vote for Boris Johnson. I think he seems like a sick dude, personally. In fairness, uh, we don't have a lot of choices. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know anything about Boris, but uh, Cow 2, in fact, is a Boris Johnson fan. I believe uh, that. Yeah, sorry sorry, <laughs> sorry to sorry to call you out there, Cow 2. No, maybe he's not. I don't know. I well, think either way, it doesn't matter. He said he it. was one time. I didn't know if he was joking or not. But in fact, I do wonder, what would happen if some, well, maybe not Boris Johnson because he's too much in love with the U.S., but uh, what would happen if a British PM actually did that in real life? Because what, what would the U.S. actually do? 
we would just nuke you to oblivion. That's no, we. I, I'm just. I don't know. I don't, well, who? It depends on who's president. Is it Trump? Is Trump president? Even if Trump's president, I'd be like the British Prime Minister. Very rude. Like what? Race tariffs? Yeah, race tariffs. Be like, uh, uh, <laughs> British people are all girly. Bunch of girly men. Even I think Joe Biden wouldn't do much. Like. I don't think there would be Joe much... Joe Biden would be like, listen here, man. Listen here. Come on. Come on, man. Like, I think it's because the speech is so vague. It's like, okay, he's just trying to pump up... He's just, he's just into the girl, man. <laughs> Was it because I, I, I kissed a girl? Yeah, in fairness... It's on his man. The U.S. president wouldn't be able to say it. I was like, oh, right. I know what set this on. Uh, yeah, yeah. I but, guess the UK's the aggressor on this one. But Biden would just be open about it. He'd be like, ah, oh, look, man, all I did was I touched a girl. What are you talking about? Come on, man. Even worse, I think if the UK was... the secretary? Come on. Because at the time, the UK was in the EU, so the US wouldn't be able to do jack shit against the UK. Because, like, yeah, if you're going against the US or UK, you're going against all of Europe. So are you really going to act on the dumbass speech yeah, of... But what? now you guys are alone. <laughs> what do you mean, you guys? I'm French. What do you mean? Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, no, smart. Yeah. Um... Anywho, yeah, we spent a long time on that speech. Yeah, yeah. Um, what I'm saying is Hugh Grant for prime minister. I think. Yeah, I, I would be up for that. Absolutely. You'd vote for Hugh Grant. Absolutely. Yeah. Unironically, if he were. Unironically. Him. Yeah. <laughs> no, actually, I don't know. He he seems like a nihilist. He'd probably burn a whole country down just to enjoy, yeah. like, just to for pleasure of it. It's pretty sick. <laughs> uh, in fairness, the scene that succeeds that one, I think, is probably one of your favorite scenes in the movie. Which, which scene is that? Jump. Yes. <laughs> that brings me to the greatest use yeah. of music probably in the history of film. Is when... I remember you like losing it when you were first seeing this scene. Like, think, yeah, this, this is great. What, that scene is pure cinema. Yeah. When on the radio they play Jump for Your Love by the, the Pointer Sisters, yeah. I believe, uh, for the Prime Minister. And it's on the radio, and he's just like looking out the window, and he just starts like moving his butt, you know. And then he just slowly gets into it. And then he like f- full on starts dancing, dances down the stairs like a huge sequence. And then, um, you know, somebody walks in on him, and then the music. Yeah, just I like how cuts. completely British. He's like, yeah. Um, so about those meetings tomorrow. Yeah. Well, and I also like the reveal that in that moment you're like, oh, the music's not even playing diegetically anymore. Yeah. It was playing in his head at this point. <laughs> you know. I I just that's I remember even liking that scene as a kid. It's just so, yeah. it's just so dumb but so enjoyable at the same time. You're like yeah. cheering for saying yes, he made that speech. He deserves the win. And the song gets a a reprise a reprise at the end uh, when he's making the the journey to go find her at her home. And uh, the love actually theme doesn't play there. It's a jump. It's jump in the car. Oh yeah, it is. Yeah, I remember now. Which brings me to another one of my favorite sequences, where Tim and his driver, and they're just knocking on every door in this neighborhood looking for. Her. I cannot tell you how like ridiculous, how hyped the UK public would be if that actually happened in real right. life. And then like these kids think they're singing Christmas carols, so like he starts singing them like Good Kingdoms of Stephen. The choice of that song is so British, I have to say. Yeah, yeah. Like, but of all the Christmas carols you could sing, that's the one. But the joke of the scene that's so great is that when his he gets his driver to start singing with him and his driver has an amazing voice. I never paid attention to that until you pointed and, out. And like, he's rolling his R's. Yeah, because then it's like uh, Hugh Grant's kind of like giving him the side eye. He's like, "Oh my gosh!" Like it's just like realizing that he's got a great voice. Yeah, that's just a great touch. That's fun. Yeah, you know. 
It's also incredible. Like that street he's on is is the longest street in London, one of the longest streets in London for yeah. like ha- housing at least, which is just really <laughs> like for at least for London, I found that hilarious. Yeah, and then it ties back into the uh, the Alan Rickman storyline. Yeah, he's got Mia showing up. The last house he goes to is the, is the the sexy secretary Mia. Yeah. Yeah, for like I remember watching that with my dad, and we're like, okay, this could have gone a whole different way if Mia just decided, yeah, I'm going to target the president now, prime minister now. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to sleep with the president, the prime minister. Which yeah, would be oh. with it, like it'd be an upgrade for her, I guess. Sure, but upgrade from Alan Rickman, yeah, but he was on a mission. He was not yeah, getting distracted. Um, I do like the fact that his secretary swears so much. Yeah, that's like a running gag. Yeah, it, it makes her more believable, kind of. Yeah, I also <laughs> like. I, I like that the. The bit where, because they're they're going to the same recital that everyone else is going to be at, mm-hmm. and her brother is dressed like a squid. Yeah. Because uh, the thing is, they've octopus, added octopus, octopus, an octopus. They've added all these new animals to the nativity play yeah. to fit in more kids, and so he's dressed like a squid, and it's a really funny. I think it's a funny visual. Yeah. The two of them are sitting in the limo, and he's trying to make conversation, and the squid kid is just right in the middle of them. Yeah. And then when they get there, he's, like, crawling across the Prime Minister's lap, and he can barely get out. Like, <laughs> that's fun. That's yeah. that is cute. He's a cute kid. He looks funny. I do like how that, well, at least that's... Would you call it a scene or that story ends for where he ends up being caught, like, kissing his... his yeah, because they're saying, like, we got to keep this, like, a bit of a secret. Yeah. And they kiss behind the stage, and then it opens up. I just, and it's just so it. stupid, but also, it, I just love it. Well, yeah, the way that everyone applauds. Yeah. He's just got, like... He just, like, wave. Just bow, yeah. give him a wave. It's like, yeah, we're, we're just going to deal with this now. Yeah. No, it's cute, yeah. It is a bit depressing, though, but uh, he attends his sister's recital not because of his sister but just because uh, of his secretary right because then like Emma Thompson he runs into her yeah. like, oh my little brother like finally you know arrived and yeah um, and then she puts two and two together real quick did you know and I looked this up apparently Hugh Grant is actually older than Emma Thompson really yeah but uh, I mean one thing I, I he ages he aged quite well even right now he doesn't look as old as he is he doesn't look too bad and, I remember seeing him in The Man from Uncle and I felt yeah. like I hadn't seen him in a movie in a long time when I saw that and I was just like oh he's, he looks the same yeah. one thing that did surprise me I didn't quite realize the age difference between him and his secretary until Brett knows they actually because yeah Hugh Grant is clearly aged but she hasn't she looks great yeah, yeah. so it's like ah so I guess there is a significant age difference between you two yeah that wasn't I didn't quite appreciate in the movie at the time yeah. which just makes him more a, more of a realistic prime minister. Yeah, it makes it a little more predatory. It's his prime minister and his, his yeah, yeah. But but the fact that it's confirmed they stay together and have a long yeah. relationship, I think it's okay. Mm-hmm. She becomes the the first lady, I guess. Of we don't call him that, but yeah. What do you call him? I don't think we give him a name. No, it's just the prime minister's wife. Yeah, I don't think we make it that big of a deal. Does the prime minister's wife? like become a public figure the way that the first lady not, does not really no not that at least boris johnson's wife current i don't think they well his new wife yeah i don't think they do much did he get remarried while he was pm i believe so. i i'm i'm not in tune with that part of boris johnson's politics much that's pretty metal if he did that's true like you, you had time to date and get remarried while being pm yeah oh, Dude. i wouldn't i would recommend looking up into why he uh, what happened during that relationship because it was very rocky to say the least yeah um but yeah you don't have like because we have like like michelle obama had that whole initiative with like yeah like, i don't healthy eating in schools and... like the prime minister is not the equivalent of the president or at least not in your sense he's just the leader of the party but if anybody's the equivalent of the president it's got he's him, got right? similar ish powers but not as powerful as the president i don't think 
He doesn't. I don't think he's able to. Well, I guess Parliament probably shares yeah. some of those powers. Yeah. But. Like I don't think he has much. He's not as able to do executive actions like the president is, or at least not to the degree that he does. Sure, but if you were going to going to equate one position, and yeah, okay, it's the only one you can equate. Yeah, yeah, because it's, Parliament is sort of like Congress, but with more power. You would say. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's a bit more complicated because we also have House of Commons and House of Lords, which is a whole other thing. Well, and let's not forget about the, the monarchy, of course. Yeah. Let's, sure. not, let's not leave the royals out yeah. of this. All she has to do is say yes every time. The true arbiters of... Funnily enough, if, she's, if the queen decides to say no at any policy, there's no rule in place that we can veto her. She really? Just, yeah, there's nothing... So she still has political power? Yeah, she that's could, wild. But it's she just knows that if she says no to any of the policies Parliament tries to pass, she'll probably get like removed. Yeah, she'll she'll suddenly have a trip down the stairs. Pierre. No, I just think they'll go all <laughs> French on them. She'll 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 uh, suddenly um, ooh ooh her pacemaker ran out of batteries. I, I'd be very careful what else you're wording because she's currently in hospital. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I'm hoping all for the best for yeah. the queen, of course. Yeah. <laughs> I really hope she survives. That'd be tasteless if this podcast goes yeah. up. Uh, anyway, um, are, there, are there any storylines in this movie that we're missing? Uh, wait, hang on. I think there is. Well, oh, Bill Knight. We didn't go through his full story. I really love the ending with Yeah, Bill it's Nye, great. So. It, yeah. At first, when. So I kept going back and forth as to what that ending implied because when I was a kid, I was obviously best friends. And then, I guess for a period when I was young, in the high school, I was like, wait, is it implied that they're gay? When I realized, I don't know, but just no. best friends. It's a been... platonic love story. Yeah. yeah. It's great. I, I like the fact that it's like, just... That's a different kind of love. Yeah, and I love that, you know, Bill Nye's clearly playing like a... You know, he's a Mick Jagger. He's a, you know, like a... He's just one of these washed up... Yeah. Old, like, he used to be something, now he just doesn't care. He doesn't care what people think of him, you know. I mean, do you imagine if Mick Jagger released this, well, is Mick Jagger still alive? Yeah. Imagine if he released a CD now and beat everyone else for a Christmas ranking. Right, yeah. yeah. Although, yeah, there's Mariah Carey to beat now. He's a little lower level than Mick Jagger. I say he's like a Billy Idol, maybe. All right, fine. This guy. But I'd be hyped as heck if... Uh, Someone like him became the like his album went number one for Christmas. Yeah, that'd be insane. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then, yeah, when he um, he has that moment with his manager at the end, it's just very genuine. And he's and he's been a dick to him the whole movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's called him the ugliest man in the world. <laughs> I think I remember you really liked his radio interviews, like talking about like, yeah. oh, uh, who was your favorite Shag? And he says Britney Spears. Just kidding, she was rubbish. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, but um, when he says, uh, it, but it's not just the fact that he comes and like professes his love to yeah. this manager. It's that he says to him like, basically this whole. Th- he's kind of implying like I've lost any chance at having like actual human love with a woman or like romantic love with somebody because I've just, I've, I've through the industry and through my drugs and my drinking and everything, I have just hammered away every possibility yeah. at that because that's not the type of person I am. That's not what I'm capable of. Mm-hmm. But the one person who's been there with me through all of it is you, and so it's like by default, he has nobody else in his life. You yeah. Know, besides also, I liked this more because I think just before that scene, it was the "All I Want for Christmas Is You" scene. Yeah, and like he ends his dialogue. I think the man I'm in love with. Is you? And he yeah. does like this pose. He does like, that rock star pose, yeah. which is like, yeah. is that a callback? I'm not sure, but either way, it's, it's, really sweet. it's, it's very sweet. And they yeah. hug, and then he's like, let's get pissed and watch porn. Yeah, it's yeah. 
it's I'm very happy about that. I appreciate yeah. that arc more and more as I grow older. You know, we forgot to mention was Rowan Atkinson. Uh, yeah, gets... I I don't know. I'm I liked I like the idea that he was like a kind of a semi guardian angel kind he's of. He's like an angel character. He's in two scenes. Yeah. Um, he, I'm happy they didn't go with the original idea where he just snaps his fingers and disappears. They're gonna have him literally be an angel. Yeah. yeah I'm that's... happy they didn't go for that. It just I like that it's implied that he's just this. That he's he's a little omnipotent. Yeah. You know, it's there's, great. There's like because uh, we have that scene where he's holding up Alan Rickman. I like the like who's trying to buy the the what the necklace for yeah. his secretary and there's this whole he's giving process. him so many outs like come on man i'm i'm you can leave anytime yeah. i'm just gonna keep going yeah yeah and there's so many like the 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 gift wrap for that he's doing to like i love the reveal that it's rowan atkinson too yeah when he, turns he just around. goes up and says Hello. yeah yeah and then and it's and then one of the parts that i always think is really funny is just because al rickman's getting more fed up with it because his wife's getting closer emma thompson's getting closer doesn't want her to notice um and then he says something like oh don't forget the special box and then alan rickman's like but i don't want the special box like <laughs> an entire scene like it's very british the entire time it's like can we be quite quick please yeah <laughs> like it's just such good british dialogue I, I love it yeah yeah um and then he shows up at the end to help distract security so the kid can sneak in to through the yeah. through the airport um, that's a more obvious angel moment because he's like he's got no reason to be there and also at the end of it he like glances at liam neeson he like exchanges a look with him as that's as if he knew what he was doing yeah. you know like that that's the moment where you're kind of keyed in that this guy might be mm-hmm. magic yeah and one thing i do want because you know in four weddings and funeral he was a priest right officiating everything yeah i won't, wouldn't have been funny if he was the one officiating carrie knightley's wedding just to kind of make it all canon <laughs> yeah make it all tie together yeah. he, he, he would be like the watcher yeah, yeah. Be great, Marvel, yeah. Be like Stanley or something. Yeah, I, w- yeah. I would love that. Yeah. Like having Roy Atkinson being like the guy connecting everything. Yeah, that'd be kind of cute. Yeah. Um, anywho, uh, I think that. Uh, Wait, hang on. I'm trying to think. There's maybe. Oh, yeah. The ending, which is a callback to the opening. I think with I prefer. God only knows. Yeah. By the, uh, I just by the love Beach that Boys. ending. Yeah. Like the fact that it's like against showing the, the clips of people at the airport this time you've got the characters actually in them this time around saying yeah. that they're just um, one part of this many different storylines which yes. are happening I like it I, yeah. I like that some message like yeah if you actually look love actually is all around yeah I love that I just don't like Hugh Grant saying it in the beginning of the movie that's the only part I so don't you prefer like. like it being uh, what is it what's the singer's called for God Only Knows um, the Beach Boys? Yeah, you just prefer Vemmy the one said God only knows all that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I just don't like him at the beginning yeah. saying the point. If it was just the footage, like, I'd be fine with yeah. it. And then we get Love Actually. Also, you know? I think the, f- the opening footage is a... Because it came out in 2004, right? So yeah. 9-11 was still quite fresh. And he has that line about 9-11, yeah, I, I always wonder feels like, a little tasteless to me. Yeah, it does feel a bit... It's a little like, eh, all right. It's a nice fantasy, but it's too good to be true. Right. Like, the weird, the, the way that he has, like, a, an optimistic twist on 9-11. Like, it's a nice so try. So the call, when the players hit the Twin Towers, the calls from people on board were not words also of anger. Also calls from people repent. on board? What? Yeah, no, I mean, it happened, but, like... Does people used to call each other from a plane? Yeah, you can do that. Okay. You still can. I mean, you just need a certain, you need the your service needs to allow for it, you know. All right, fair enough. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, back then, like, plain phone phones were more common, too. Right. Yeah, but 
having rewatched it for, that doesn't work. I can't imagine yeah. it worked at the time either. Right, right. Like just had to, to, to especially in two thousand four. That's yeah. ballsy, dude. Yeah, it, definitely ballsy. But to start off your lovely rom com with somebody optimistically talking about nine eleven. I guess it was. <laughs> yeah, that's like a Norm Macdonald joke waiting to happen. That's I do cool. wonder if it, I guess he, Richard Curtis thought it was safe given it was going to be a UK movie. Yeah. Or was it his attempt to rope in US audiences? I don't know. Well, of course, well you have to know US audiences are going to see this. It's too big of a movie. Yeah, but I want... You know, like, this is a BBC original. This is a bit, a major film. Yeah, I, I wonder if it was his attempt to like get... Yeah, this is something you can relate to, American audiences. Yeah, hey, America, 9-11, am yeah. I right? Yeah. Yeah, Laura Linney, 9-11, your two favorite things. <laughs> All in this movie, but Billy Bob Thornton, he's your boy. Yeah. Yeah, and, <laughs> yeah okay, that open. I still like the way he leads to the title card. I find that pretty sweet. But mm-hmm. that, aside from that, yeah, nine eleven part. Nah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I prefer the ending way of doing it than the beginning. Altogether, I think it's a flawed film. I yeah. think it's, uh, but I think it's. Uh, I think for me, it's been just too engraved in my memory for it to be anything other than perfect. Yeah, well, and most movies that we have those feelings about are imperfect. Yeah, you know, because it's like the imperfections that we're also kind of infatuated yeah. with. It's like. I like if I was the creator of this movie, I would change a lot. But personally, I would not change a thing. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's just one of those things. It's like mm-hmm. I just I, I take it as it is. The whole thing. Um, yeah, I'm. I think it's just gone beyond. Like it's it's now established as like a cold classic movie. What was it? Would it consider a cold classic or is it just a classic movie? I, for Christmas, it's somewhere between the two. I wouldn't call it a cult classic because I don't think there's a cult around them. Yeah. Actually, not like there is around. The Big Lebowski yeah. or The Thing or Rocky Horror Picture Show or something. Like, I do think it's, um, but it's also not like a classic like Citizen Kane. Yeah. Um, or even something. But it's that, definitely ingrained into culture. It's not even like a Forrest Gump. But like it's, it's yeah, it's I engraved think, into culture. It's a, if, if, if we divide things up like in terms of rom-coms, I'd say it's a classic rom-com. Yeah. You know? um, also, funnily enough, it's also... The, it was the most rented movie of 2005, I think. Really? Yeah. Interesting. So, not that that's relevant anymore, but I found that pretty impressive because 2005 was probably one of the last few years where renting was still a thing. Yeah. So, I went to um, Letterboxd and I pulled yep. up some half-star reviews for this film. Half-star, let's go. Yeah. Half a star out of five. This first one. This is garbage, actually. <laughs> <laughs> great <laughs> perfect hated every second not a single relationship in this movie involved love it was just about <laughs> infatuation i'm going to go for ah. now okay an interesting point yeah infatuation but he, i think he's forgetting about the relationships that were already established like alan rickman emma thompson which is ironic given that's the relationship that breaks down yeah but yeah, i think that's fair to say that most of the other ones are you can call them infatuation at that point yeah. But there is a time skip that shows that they do most of them work out yeah. for in the next two weeks. Yeah, yeah. I forgot to mention um, great moment of music also when Emma Thompson, oh. after finding out that yeah. Alan Rickman bought this necklace for somebody else, goes alone to another room because she got a Joni Mitchell soundtrack. Yeah, that it's, one. It's like a Joni Mitchell album from him. And she listens to the entirety of Both Sides Now by Joni Mitchell yeah. in another room. Like, it lasts a while. Yeah, it's. I, I think that seems pretty great. Yeah, yeah, it's you You feel it, you know? Yeah. Um, so, that's one review. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. If I think the infatuation point is fair. Yeah, but I don't know if that's the reason to give it five star. I definitely think star. it goes for, like, the, the Colin Firth story, maybe. Um, Colin Firth, the little kid, 
Oh, Colin. Definitely Colin. Yeah, yeah. Colin, yeah, he's just going, that's not love. Yeah. I think Hugh Grant, you could probably say it's also kind of infatuation at that point. But then it turns into something. Yeah. You know? um, uh, Bill Nye, I think, has the strongest love story in the whole movie with his manager. I won't argue that, actually. Yeah. I don't think, that's the most well-ending uh, story, I think, because that's where it actually, yeah, this is a well-established relationship. Yeah, and I think there's a profound point to be made with that yeah. one, too. Um, another one, half a star. Has it always been this bad? It's not an ultimate rom-com, if not a single plot line is anything. Anything at all. This movie is nothing, with ten exclamation points. Is it all caps? Yeah, no. Now, had they put in a love story between Bill Nye and his manager, maybe I would have been on board. But no. <laughs> so, no. What do you mean? That was a love story. I think he wanted them to, like, half sex. Yeah, I know, but... Uh, you're just projecting, my friend. Yeah. All right, half star. I don't think anyone could make a worse movie if they tried. This is a full two hours and 15 minutes of incomprehensible and seemingly random scenes with no tonal consistency whatsoever. Painful. I don't think he's not too wrong about the tonal inconsistency because you've mentioned that a couple times. But that's part of what I like about yeah. it, too. I think that makes it original, you know? Yeah. Um, you know what's tonally consistent? Valentine's Day, and that movie sucks. I've never seen it. I've never, I don't think I've ever seen any uh, other movie like Love Actually. Yeah, you don't need to. Actually, I can't remember what my pitch to you was for Love Actually. I told you it was a Christmas Pulp Fiction with romance. Is that what you said? I remember this because we were on a bus and you, you, I was trying to persuade you to watch Love Actually because I think our old English teacher had told you how bad it was. That's interesting. I, I, apparently, I saw Curtis said he was in, partly inspired by the films of Robert Altman as well as films like Pulp Fiction. Um, Robert Altman also being an interesting case, I think, with movies like Nashville. You know, it's it's an ensemble film. Yeah. It follows multiple people. You know, yeah, but 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 this one's specifically in the rom com mold, which yeah. was ripped off by movies like Valentine's Day. Um, Half a star. After watching this movie, I had to edit all of my previous half star reviews because this is without a doubt the worst movie I've ever seen. But you give no justification. You got to give a reason for it. Yeah. Otherwise, what are we supposed to say? All right, this is my favorite. Half star. This movie is so shit. There are too many storylines, and the cuts between them are confusing. Not to mention that every single actor in every scenario looks the exact same, <laughs> which makes it impossible to follow the storyline. <laughs> Also, why and how is it two goddamn hours? Hello? One out of ten, not solid. Okay, uh, quick question, by the way. Uh, yeah. The runtime, how do you feel about it? Like, do you think it's just right or too long? It could be a little shorter. All right. Like, we cut out any stories outright or... I would trim down some of the stuff that's in the Colin Firth story. Just because right. I find it less interesting. I think I would trim down... I, just, I don't know. It's like, I would take out some of the stuff with like the Andrew Lincoln Kira Knightley story I think that story can probably be bindled together yeah yeah there's some actually, stories no, I, just I think you've kind of persuaded me that Colin Farrell's story Colin Farrell's story can actually be also dumped because it it yeah. doesn't really link into much else yeah I do like the ending of it but I just yeah. don't like so much of it is just kind of like eh uh, so I think you can make it a solid two hour movie yeah, okay, so it's 10 minutes. It's 10 minutes too long, according 15 to 15 minutes too long, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's it's whatever. It's fine. It's yeah. all... It's a flabby, flabby, messy movie that you put on on Christmas time and you have... You know, you feel happy. Yeah, that's why warm. I watch it. Like, if, if I'm... Normally around Christmas time is when old shit has gone wrong with, like, schoolwork or regular <laughs> work. You just need a little bit of stupid British rom-com to get you back in the mood. Yeah, I agree. Um... So what's your elevator pitch for this movie, Pierre? If people, if you're trying to get somebody to watch Love Actually, what do you say to them? 
Exactly what I told you. Pulp Fiction, but a rom-com. Yeah, interesting. Okay. It worked for you. Yeah, it did work for me, I think. I did watch it, and, I, and I've enjoyed it. And it's one. Of, it's an interesting movie, because it's like really... I think there are much better rom-coms. Like, I love... I think it might be know, my second favorite, unfortunately. Pref- I prefer something like, you know, When Harry Met Sally. Yeah, that, that's my top. Something like that. But, like, this movie just strikes a certain chord. And it's yeah. like... It gets me in this way that's... The movie's simultaneously ironic and uh, sincere... One might say it's an example of metamodernism. I don't know if that's going <laughs> that, too far. That's fancy talk, but yeah. I de- my old roommate Devin would murder me for calling Love Actually metamodern, but I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm willing to flirt with it. I don't it. think it's metamodern for... T- oh, it's made itself... It's Some of the stories are vague enough where it is timeless in a way. Yeah. Well, yeah, definitely. I think so. I mean, like we said, like we're the, the, the Prime Minister and the... American president were trying to link to certain yeah. real life people, but that's just our vague approximation. Yeah, and I know? think even like um, the Bill Nye story, that that's still somehow relevant to us today with older artists trying to release new songs. Yeah, yeah. So exactly. there's there's plenty of this movie that hasn't aged. Like it still works today. Yeah, well, I don't know if it's meta modernism, but it. Do you mean like with respect to the newer films being released? Like like meta modernism basically means when something. Is it has like postmodern ironic detachment, but it also seeks to get genuine emotions and like okay. sincerity out of it. That's a, that's an oversimplification of yeah, what gotcha. modernism is, but that's kind of what it is. So um, yeah, I think it fits that description relatively well. Not all of it necessarily, yeah. but I think yeah, it really I, depends on which storyline you're looking at. In the yeah, movie. I think like the Hugh Grant storyline definitely fits that definition. Yeah, yeah, um, possibly the Collins storyline. <laughs> as well yeah um anyway i'm glad we could talk about this yeah for sure i've enjoyed this i'm sorry i didn't do it sooner oh of course any well uh, you'll come on come on sooner than later Um, yeah well if you're ever down in la we can do another one yeah yeah i'll have to come out to la um come to your neck of the woods and uh let's get a big celebrity on here i'll do my best you need to hang out those outdoor cafes look for some look wait till sylvester sloan walks by say hey come on our podcast I mean, would you be all right with someone like uh, Mel Gibson? Not too much controversy back there? Yeah, yeah. Mel, what's he got going on? What's what, what's the problem that someone would have with Mel, Perrin? I have no problem. Yeah, I'm, no, I, Mel, I'm not educated. I'm, I'm, I'm from Europe, man. I don't know anything about what's going on in the U.S. Here's the funny thing. If I had Mel Gibson on this podcast, people would get mad and they'd be like, why are you platforming Mel Gibson? I'd be like, buddy, Mel Gibson platformed me. You know? I don't know if you know how popular this podcast is. I... I didn't legitimize him at all. He got me the clicks. Maybe from some people I don't want to be listening, to be fair. Yeah. yeah. Well, maybe. We'll see. We'll find out. Hmm. But yeah. anyway. I'll yeah. work on it. I'll make sure I know one celebrity before you come over. Mel, if you're listening, come on the podcast. Um, but uh, thank you, Pierre. Uh, Absolutely pleasure. to do this. Yep, let's do this again sometime. We will. Pleasure to be on. everybody that wraps up another episode of we are movies thank you so much for listening uh as always thank you to my guest and uh today was a very special guest uh thank you to pierre for coming on um 
very happy we could finally do this after a hundred episodes. And, um, also, uh, if you're a fan of this podcast and you haven't yet, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter at, uh, we are movies pod. And you can also follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and letterboxd at Johnny Mockney, J O H N N Y M O C N Y. That is all I have for you today. I'll be back with you very soon. And there's also a pretty sweet Christmas special happening this month, um, I think. We'll see. I'm pretty sure it'll happen. So uh, stay tuned for that. And until then, just remember that, um, you know, if you think about it, love actually is all around. Oh.